Hey, parents and little adventurers. Ever wondered where hot dogs come from? Dive into a world of wonder with the new children's book about cellular agriculture. Cellular agriculture? What's that? It's the science behind tomorrow's foods. Discover the journey of a family barbecue in a way that's fun, educational, and downright tasty. Grab your copy of Where Do Hot Dogs Come From? on Amazon today. Yum! The future sounds so delicious. Curious for more? Visit www.hotdog.fyi. Happy reading! Thanks for joining us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Podcast. We're excited to have Sandia Saram of Shok Meats on today's episode. Before we get started, I want to mention the Cultured Meat Symposium, taking place in downtown San Francisco on November 1st. The 2018 event will follow the themes of impact, future, and flavor. We'll be featuring speakers from New Age Meats, Just, Better Meat Co., Creator, Good Food Institute, and New Crop Capital. Sign up today using the code CMSPODCAST for a special discount at www.cms18.com. Dr. Sandia Saram is the CEO and co-founder of Shok Meats. Sandia is a stem cell scientist with over 10 years of experience working with muscle, adipose, cells, and stem cells. After graduating with a PhD from Nanyang Technological University in Singapore, Sandia pursued her postdoc at ASTAR. Following four years of postdoctoral work, she took up business development at the Research Institute. Alongside, she co-founded two companies, Biotech in Asia, and Cyglo. Sandia has been featured on Forbes Women in Tech for her entrepreneurial ventures and is an author for the Nature Biotechnology blog. Currently, Sandia and Dr. Kai-Yi Ling, her co-founder and CSO of Shok Meats, are working on cell-based meat, specifically seafood, based out of Singapore. Sandia, I'd like to welcome you to the Cultured Meat and Future Food Podcast. Thanks, Alex. It's a pleasure being here and looking forward to it. We've heard a lot about new cultured meat, cell-based meat companies popping up. And your company, Shok Meats, has been appearing on a lot of slide decks about cell-based meats and, and other types of presentations. First, maybe tell us a little bit about your background, and then maybe we can kind of dive into how you started the company. Sure. Actually, I'm originally from India, the southern part of India, and that's where I did my high school, undergrad and postgrad. Always had interest in stem cell biology and cell biology in general. Did a couple of my projects there and so on. Uh, Worked with skin stem cells to start off with in India, then moved over to Singapore end of 2008 to do my PhD on skeletal muscle cells. And the whole world of stem cells has been like a wonderful, I would say, experience for me. And it's been more than 10 years that I've been working with stem cells. Throughout my PhD, I worked on oxidative stress, muscle wasting, obesity, cancer, anything to do with skeletal muscle and stem cells. 
And then soon after I graduated from my PhD, I moved on to do a postdoc at ASTAR in Singapore. And that's where I worked with fat, dental, and skeletal muscle cells again. But this time it was all from humans. So this was a step above from dealing with rats and mice, my master's and PhD, and then moving on to humans. So I was moving more towards the cell therapy side of things. And it was pretty exciting. But at the same time, I had my first taste of entrepreneurship sometime around 2014 when I started a company called Biotech in Asia, which is a science news website. And I think after I did that, it has always been that I want to do something on my own, start up my own company, work with a lot of interesting people and actually build a very interesting product. After uh, I started Biotech in Asia, my interest was more on the business side of things and less on the actual research or bench work. And that's I actually quit my full-time research job in 2016 and actually took up program and business development at ASTAR with one of the research institutes there. For those who don't know ASTAR, it is the Agency for Science, Technology and Research in Singapore. And uh, they have a couple of institutes under them that work on science research and technology, as the name suggests. That's where I was doing business development. And I actually learned the business side of research, how things are sold, what are the legal agreements in place, how are people working with industry, how does academia and industry work together, how does academia and startups work together and so on. So along these lines, I was always thinking of what I wanted to build in the next couple of years and what I wanted to set up. And Ryan Bethancourt, actually, uh, from Wild Earth and IndieBio, people might know, is a very good friend and mentor. And we were just brainstorming as what to do next and what to do big in Asia Pacific. So seeing my previous experience working with stem cells, extensively with muscle and fat cells, we actually decided that we should do something in that line of experience. I mean, I'm seeing about the clean meat boom and the plant-based meat and the cell-based meat that's been happening in the last couple of years, starting off with Mosa and then Memphis and Finless Foods and so on. It was just a casual brainstorming session between Ryan and me. And I think at the end of the session, I had basically said that, okay, I'm going to set up a clean meat company. Let us which meats that I want to work on, because my experience, as you can see, is stem cell and cell biology. So I was trying to work towards cell therapy where I needed functionally relevant cells or functionally active cells, but in meat, not so much. So that's how Shuok Meats happened. Have you ever worked in food before? No, I haven't. I think everything happens for a reason. And while I was doing business development at one of the institutes in ASTAR, that institute was moving towards looking at the food sector, the nutrition sector. And basically, I was scouting for food companies in Singapore to see if we can work with them, what kind of technologies we can bring to them and so on. So this started about six to eight months back. And I was doing a lot of research in food and companies and the industry, the market and so on. And so coincidentally, I decided decided to start a clean meat company. So it's been like everything has fallen in place at the right time. So I would say my experience with the food industry is the last six months. You had mentioned the region that your team is focusing on, the Asia Pacific region. Why is that region so important? And especially when it comes to kind of clean meat and the need for clean meat companies in that region. Right. Asia Pacific has 60% of the world's population. I mean, we have China and India in Asia. Most of the world's population is here. And definitely looking at sustainability and the way we are consuming food in this part of the world, even compared to the West, we're consuming much faster, much larger amounts, and definitely a lot of different types of protein. For example, in India, it's a lot more plant-based. In China, it's a lot more meat-based and so on. 
looking at that, we always felt that we wanted to cater to this region. And another reason is I'm from India. My co-founding partner, Kai, who's the CSO of Shokmates, is from Singapore, originally from Hong Kong, but then she's been in Singapore. And she has been educated in the US previously as well. So she's kind of seen both sides of the world. And she's also felt that Asia Pacific is the region to concentrate on. And this is our playing field. I've been in India for so many years, then moved on to Singapore know the sector here. We know the perspective of people. We know how the market works and so on. So that's where we want to concentrate on Asia Pacific. And how did you first meet your co-founder? Right. Kai and I were actually part of ASTAR. So she was in a different institute. She was a research fellow as well. And then I was also a scientist in a different institute. But we have overlapped in a couple of events. We organized a couple of events together previously as part of the postdoc society at ASTAR. She's also interviewed me for her podcast, which talks about life after PhD, basically because I shifted from a traditional academic role to a business role. So that's how we have crossed paths. And I always knew that she was a very capable stem cell and cell biologist. And when I was basically looking for a full-time CSO to join the founding team of Shirkmeet, she was one of the persons I approached. And she was also looking at something other than academia. And I think we just hit it off from day one. So you said it's called Life After PhD? That's right. It's Life After PhD. And I think my interview is a two-part episode. And then she's had a couple of other interviews with a lot of more interesting people as well. There are a lot of clean meat founders that are really interested in the technology from mission-driven aspect or specifically animal welfare aspect. Are you plant-based and what are the main benefits that really drive you towards this technology? I'm actually a vegetarian by choice. By religion, being an Indian and a Hindu, actually, I am vegetarian by birth, but I have tasted different kinds of meat throughout my life. And But when I was old enough to understand where the meat comes from and how it is slaughtered and how animals are killed and so on, I always felt guilty for eating meat. And so I'm a vegetarian by choice. But all around me, I have meat eaters. My husband eats a lot of meat, my friends do, and so on. And Kai is a very meat eater on a daily basis. So the reason for going towards a cell-based company or looking at clean meat is the way we're eating meat is definitely not sustainable. We don't have enough animals to kill in the future. Of course, our meat and protein consumption is going to go up with the growing population, but we don't have an answer to it. We don't have the numbers. People are going to go hungry first thing. The next thing is the meat is just not clean enough. I mean, for example, if you look at the seafood industry, which we are actually working on, there's so much of antibiotics and hormones being used in these fish or crabs or whatever you're looking at. And what we're eating is definitely, I would say, unclean than the actual meat that's there. So these are some of the reasons moving towards a cell-based meat company. When I talk to folks from the meat industry, they tell me that after the any antibiotics are given, they wait a certain period to make sure that the antibiotics are fully out of the system. Is this just not the case traditionally? Yes, the antibiotics work in such a way that it will get out of your system. Or for example, in seafood, what they do is they either... If it's farmed seafood, then they add antibiotics to the water, which is indirectly the water is actually polluting all our oceans and seas eventually because that's where the water goes. But the other way is what they do is they farm the fish or the crabs and so on and then dunk them in solutions of antibiotics before they're actually shipped off as frozen or live or whatever they want to the supermarket. The things that we have seen and the way we read the chemical properties of antibiotics and the biochemistry behind it, it needs a lot more time for the antibiotics to actually leave the system or you can consume. And I don't think these industries are waiting for that much of a time. 
on a seafood perspective, so we've mentioned seafood a couple times, fish and crab actually, but why is your team focused on seafood and why is that the direction that you're going? Right. Looking at Asia Pacific, we were looking at what kinds of meat we consume here. And one of the top meat that we consume here is seafood. A lot of coastal areas, a lot of islands in this part of the world. So we do have a lot of people consuming anywhere from small fish to big fish to shark fin to tuna to salmon to shrimp, prawns, crabs, lobsters, shellfish, crayfish, anything that you take. That was one of the reasons we were looking at the seafood market. And another reason was we can always see that companies like Memphis and Mosa Meats are already working working on beef, just as working on chicken. So these people are actually a bit way ahead in terms of research and development and actually productization at some point. So we wanted to look at a field that's not been touched on. And in the seafood sector, there are only about a handful of companies that are working on clean seafood. And that's the reason we wanted to stick to that. In terms of the perception, the perception of cell-based meat in Singapore and Asia-Pacific, are people learning about the technology? Are people open to it? What has been your experience in terms of really what you ask when you ask someone if they would eat lab-grown meat, for lack of a better term? Right. Here, actually, we are a bit more, I would say, oblivious of the fact that there is something called clean meat or cell-based meat out there. People have heard a lot about plant-based meat, but it's been sold more on the angle of higher protein content, easier to digest, easier to cook, and so on. But the whole cell-based meat or the clean meat or lab-grown meat sector, actually, honestly, to tell you the truth, seems like Shiok Meats is introducing this concept newly for people in Singapore. We've done a couple of talks before this, and it's been quite interesting that some of them don't even know that there's an industry called clean meat out there. And at the same time, when I was in India a couple of months ago, that's the first time we, GFI, Good Food Institute India and Humane Society of India, we had launched a program of clean meat under the name Future of Protein. So we spoke a lot about plant-based meat and cell-based meat. It's more on the education side. So we being a startup in Asia Pacific, we are concentrating a lot on people's perception, how they take it, do they know first of all what cell-based meat, how do we educate them, how do we communicate to them that this is important. Important. It's quite an interesting phase, I would say. And regarding kind of like the startup atmosphere in Singapore, I know that Singapore, because of regulations, for example, has been very popular for a new wave of financial tech and cryptocurrency technologies. But when it comes to startup and biotech, how does Singapore do in the biotech realm? And how does that compare to Silicon Valley, for example? Things in this part of the world move a bit too slow in terms of us like seeing the startups in Silicon Valley or even on the East Coast in the US, we can see that things get done much more faster. Investments come in a little more faster. It's easy to reach out to investors. Here, everything takes a lot of time in terms of even for Shiok Meat. For example, we are not academic spin-off or IP is not from one of the institutes or one of the universities. It's our own IP, our own technology. We are an independent startup of sorts. It's been so hard for us to even find a rental lab space. It's been hard for us to find early stage investors to invest in a novel idea like Clean Meat, which they think is very, very new to this part of the world, like I said earlier. And yeah, so it's been challenging for us, even though we are only about three to four months old, but finding a lab space has been really hard. And thankfully, we just got a lab space like a week back. 
But even that is not permanent. That's only for a couple of months. Looking at what we can see in Silicon Valley in terms of having access to incubators, to accelerators, to some sort of initial funding for early stage startups, these are the things that are missing in this side of the world. Do you think that your team would always be located in the Asia Pacific region or would you ever kind of extend out to Silicon Valley for the research and development? Right. This is a question that I think Kai and I speak on a weekly basis. Initially, at least for now, we are sure that we want to keep it within Asia Pacific. We want to do the R&D within Singapore. But having said that, because of the lack of infrastructure or lack of rental space for us to grow into, we might have to move to other Asian countries, for example, India, China, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, and so on. So we are exploring all of these countries at this point. Yes, we have raised our initial pre-seed funding from Silicon Valley investors, and we're speaking to a couple of Singapore investors as well to close our pre-seed round. But having said that, Silicon Valley investors do like if their company, if the company that they're funding is present within the valley. But for us, it seems like it's too big of a move currently because Singapore is our playground. We understand how people think. We understand how things are done here. We've been here for 10 plus years. Asia Pacific, it's easier for us to reach out to people to actually get things done. Uh, we know ways around how to get things done. So that's why we want to keep it here for now. Right now, the team consists the co-founder and yourself. Is that right? That's right. It's just Kai and me and chief scientific officer and the CEO, just two of us. Yes. And as your team expands, what would really be the next hire? Would it be somebody on the research and development and scientific side? Right. So we actually want to hire a research engineer as our first hire. Uh, the reason being, initially, our lab work is all lab scale, stem cell biology, more normal cell biology and so on, manipulation of cells and so on. But then eventually we have to move to a bioreactor where we have to grow our cells for large scale or mid-scale manufacturing. And that we need a research engineer who understands bioprocessing technology, how cells grow in a bioreactor and so on. What advice do you have for kind of the industry in general as we kind of move forward and develop cell ag really in the world? I actually want to talk more on the perspective of cell ag in the seafood industry. One thing that I think all the other seafood startups also agree with us is there's very less academic research out there in terms of looking at sea animals, fish, invertebrates, and so on, in terms of cell culture, cell biology, how their stem cells work, how do you grow them, and so on. For example, for the other companies who are working on beef, pork, chicken, there's a lot of research out there because these are mammalian species. But for for seafood, that's the lack. So what I would actually give a shout out is if any researcher in any part of the world is working on invertebrates or sea animals, they can actually reach out to us, the other startups that are working on seafood and see how we can collaborate, work more on the research and development side of these cells and see how we can actually grow them in numbers and get this meat out soon. And as you were mentioning that, I don't have a science background, and it, it makes me think of the early stages of extracting a cell. From what I've heard, those cells are under high stress and oftentimes require fetal bovine serum to kind of start the process of, of getting them to grow and, and multiply. Would that, would fetal bovine serum then be used for those types of fish cells as well, for example? 
based on the academic publications that are out there, yes, they have used fetal bovine serum for growing these cells as well, but definitely not at the higher percentage as what is required for the other red meat or white meat that's out there. So it's at a lower percentage, but what we are essentially trying to do is actually trying to lower it further and actually see if we can make do without the serum at all. But at this stage, I can't reveal more than that, but hopefully we don't want to use FPS at all because then what's the concept of clean meat, right? I mean, clean meat means no animals, no killing of animals, no components of animals. But if you're taking cells from animals, but still killing fetuses of cows to get fetal bovine serum, then that doesn't make sense in terms of the clean meat industry. There's one more question I have, and this is more of just kind of like a higher level question about the industry in general, and that's regarding scaffolding technologies. We hear a lot about the potential to make structured elements in the future, but when you kind of dig deep into what some of the other companies have done, the focus is really on the early stages, like we mentioned, finding more optimized serum-free alternatives. But when we are talking about creating shapes and, and structures using advanced scaffolds, is that something that we have really any indication that we can achieve successfully from a standpoint of... I guess, making a fish fillet versus just having like meat from fish? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible just looking at organogenesis or the cell therapy industry where they're making organs based out of cells in the lab. They have to use a scaffold. I mean, the hard part with making an organ is it has to be functional. For example, if you make a liver, it has to do what a liver has to do. If you make a heart, it has to beat. If you make a skeletal muscle, it has to twitch. But at least with meat, you don't have to worry about the functionality as much. But definitely, possible to make scaffolds, to make the structure, to get the connective tissue in place, to get a fish fillet, to get a steak and so on. But I think why these clean meat companies aren't looking or maybe they're looking at it in the background, but why they aren't doing it as their first product, it takes a lot more time in terms of R&D to get there. For example, if you're a startup and you're around for about two years, people are curious. Even your investors are curious as to what you've been doing in two years. Can you show us a product? Do you have something that we can taste? So I think the minced meat or crab cake or a fish cake or what we are thinking of is actually making a dumpling because we are from Asia Pacific. Why not stick to a dumpling or a wonton? That's kind of easier to get out there and people can actually touch, feel, taste, see rather than waiting for a proper steak or a fillet, which will actually take a couple of more years in terms of R&D. First off, I want to say thanks for being with us on the show. Do you have any last insights for our listeners today? For the general audience out there, do support clean meat and cell-based meat companies like us. We are working towards a sustainable future and a healthy future, both for animals and for humans. And to researchers out there, help us with more academic research out there, collaborate with us. I mean, I keep talking about collaboration because I strongly believe in collaboration. I don't believe in duration of doing the same thing. If if you're doing something similar to me, why not work together? Investors out there, support clean meat companies as you've been supporting and let's get the world to eat clean. Sandia, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insight on the Cultured Meat and Future Food podcast. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks, Alex. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to being with you on our next episode. Thanks for being a listener. Since we started the show, we've definitely learned a lot about cell-based meat, but also a lot about podcasting. We'd love to get your feedback, whether you have comments on the questions, the ads, audio quality, whatever it may be. Submit your feedback to futurefoodshow.com. Special thanks to all of our guests on the show. 
Julian Zvorskov for making the intro tune, Anita Brolux and Florine Schmidt for drafting the questions, Adrian Medea Dipura and Cyrus Manuran for editing, Yuri Kleben for outreach, Nick Talrea for legal counsel, and most importantly, thank you for listening and spreading the word about cell-based meat and future food technologies.